0: Hello, Marvelites you're listening to this week in Marvel episode number 558 I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M
1: and I'm Lorraine Sink. agent of summer it is summer now it's so hot,
0: hot.
1: I don't know what it is I think because I am a kid who grew up in the desert whenever summer hits there's a part of me that turns back to my childhood and just like I can't believe that I have to do things While it's warm outside, I should be allowed to ride bikes in my front yard, go catch lizards. You know, the things that weird little kids do when they spend too much time alone.
0: Yeah, when summer starts for me, a part of me dies because I hate it so much. It's so hot and so humid, and I just am miserable. But we are not here to talk about heat. We are here to talk about Marvel because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we are excited about. We're also excited to say happy birthday to our producer, Isabel.
1: Happy birthday, Isabel. We love Isabel. You should go follow her on the internet. She reads a lot of books. She sees a lot of concerts. She's a woman of many interests.
0: Yeah, interests. But we also have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, including the really awesome interview we're going to have later in the show. We've got Marvel Studios casting director Sarah Finn on the show, and it's the start of what we're looking at as a regular Marvel Studios behind-the-scenes interview section. So we have Sarah now, we've got a couple more lined up, and then we're going to give these to you periodically so... Tell your friends, we got some cool Marvel Studios stuff on the way.
1: And speaking of which, Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder is in theaters. Scoog-a-go, goot, go that, that, yeah, that's my um cool guitar sounds.
0: Have you ever heard a guitar before?
1: Uh, yeah, they're like ding, 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 right?
0: Well, some of them are, yeah.
1: Or is that a banjo? Hard to say. <laughs> Anyways, in case you've been living under a rock, Marvel Studios' Thor: Love and Thunder is now in theaters. We know it, we love it. We are so excited to see the God of Thunder played by Chris Hemsworth on a journey like never before of self-discovery, of butt-kickingness, as he takes on Gore the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale. We're so excited for the introduction of The Mighty Thor, a.k.a. Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman. Such an awesome film. I can't wait for everyone to see it. Maybe you've seen it already. Head over to marvel.com and check out the exclusive red carpet interviews. It's also over on the Marvel YouTube channel. We have awesome interviews with the cast and the creative team. Plus, we got some new Marvel must-haves that are going to be coming down the way. You can always go over to marvel.com musthaves must-haves to see all the cool merchandise around the films and fun stuff that we've got highlighted there. But most of all, go get your movie tickets and go see the film only in theaters now.
0: Yeah, and look, after you go see the film, one- don't spoil it for others. And if you want more, you know, behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. for more information, Marvel.com has a ton of stuff, uh, especially about Jane Foster. We've got a complete comics history of Jane Foster from Thor to Valkyrie by a friend of the show, Robin Belt. One of our editors, Megan Moore, has a Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder Best of Thor Cosplay series. We've got more coming throughout the week. And on top of that, we've got features on the site covering the music of the film, the comics history of Zeus and much more.
1: Also, there's going to be some really cool Marvel Games tie-ins inspired by Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder. First up, we've got Fortnite. We love to see those fun Fortnite tie-ins, and this time come into the item shop are not one but two thors, Thor Odinson and Mighty Thor, of course inspired by the film, and these gods of thunder are available in the Gods of Thunder pack, which also includes two backblings, two pickaxes, two gliders plus an emote and loading screen, and of course you can surround your lightning with the full charge style of the outfits and the pickaxes, so go pick those up now, go check them out. if you're playing the Fortnite, we got to love it. I love the little
0: emotes. They make me feel happy. They're pretty great.
1: Also coming to Marvel Puzzle Quest, Mighty Thor, inspired by Marvel Studios, Thor Love and Thunder is now in the game. She's going to join the ranks of Marvel Puzzle Quest, and she's not the only one head on over because starting yesterday, they're going to be bringing in even more Thor-related content, including free gifts, special events, and news. Go on over to Marvel Puzzle Quest. You can get it on the App Store or Google Play if you're not playing it already
0: hmm You got a lot to play, but how about more stuff to watch? Because, of course, we have Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. Oh, my gosh. This week was the penultimate episode. Next week is the season finale. This week, we got an epic flashback. And, again, no spoilers, but it's really tying into a whole bunch of stuff that's going on with Kamala. So you can watch those first five episodes now only on Disney+, Plus as you prepare for next week's finale. And of course, like we do every week, head over to Marvel.com to see the new Marvel must-haves inspired by the series. Episodes 1 through 5 are up now with new Funko Pops and new t-shirts and much, much more.
1: Man, this episode, it got me. It got me in the feels. Mm -hmm. I was like, you won't make me cry. God dang it. (laughs) They did it. They did it. (laughs) But things that don't make me cry are Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness. Ryan, I know you got to do some cool interviews with some folks from viz dev mm-hmm. tell me about him.
0: yeah the visual development team basically the folks who create the look of the series before it becomes real the concepts the designs all that cool stuff got to talk with andy park who's marvel studios director of visual development about how want maximoff aka the scarlet witch changed in design throughout the mcu and you know andy worked on pretty much every look for Wanda and it was really close to the character. So it was really, really exciting to talk to Andy about that. We talked with visual development supervisor, Ian Joyner, talking about the costuming choices for Defender Strange, Sinister Strange, basically all the Stranges. So that was really cool. And to watch those, you can go to Marvel's YouTube page, Marvel's social channels, the Doctor Strange social channels, Marvel.com, pretty much wherever you watch Marvel videos, we got them up there.
1: Yeah. And if you want even more behind the scenes, go over to Disney Plus because Marvel Studios assembled Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is available to watch now only on Disney Plus, where you get to see all the behind the scenes stories and the tales behind the tales that bring the tales to life.
0: Up next, we've got Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur because this upcoming animated series has just added Rafael Sadiq as executive music producer. So, Rafael Sadiq is a three time Grammy Award winner coming on the show as executive music producer.
1: And yes, yes, he is from Tony, Tony, Tony. If you were a child of the 90s.
0: Oh my gosh, yes.
1: I'm so excited to see this series. If you want to get more about the series, you can go over. They have new social channels. You can go to Instagram at Moongirl Devil Dinosaur and on Twitter at DisneyMGDD, like MoongirlDevilDinosaur. Devil Dinosaur. And you can get news there and keep up with the show. Oh, also, Raphael worked on Marvel's Luke Cage a series that you can now watch on Disney Plus,
0: which had terrific music, the best music. Lorraine, have you ever seen Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping?
1: No, you keep telling me to watch it. And I How know I need to. How dare
0: you! There is a Tony, Tony, Tony <laughs> joke in there that will destroy you.
1: I'm ready.
0: Lorraine, stop working for the rest of the day. Please go watch Popstar. Even our producer, Zachary Goldberg, says it is a good movie. Popstar is so good. I probably got to watch it today. I'm
1: convinced I will watch the film. Also, I don't know if your feed has already been inundated with Disney Cruise Lines, but I have been loving it. The Disney Wish is preparing to set sail for the first time. And if you go, you can encounter Worlds of Marvel, the attraction, and step into Avengers Quantum Encounter while you're dining. Uh, There's... A presentation that has some pretty amazing hero technology, like Iron Man's arc reactor, Captain America's shield, and of course, Ant-Man's Pym particles. But, uh, you know, things never go as planned. And there are some good old fashioned Ant-Man hijinks, including, and this is a spoiler, Ant-Man does discuss the Thanos explosion theory. I'll leave it at that. If you seek it out on the Internet, you can find it.
0: It was blown up last week. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> I would be surprised. But it's really funny.
1: It is wildly funny. I love it so much. And of course, with these hijinks, thankfully, Ant-Man and the Wasp are on the scene to help with some of the drama, as well as Captain America, Captain Marvel, and of course, the guests in attendance. And of course, you can experience Avengers Quantum Encounter aboard the Disney Wish, which sets sail on its maiden voyage very shortly, July 14th. You can choose from three and four night adventures to the Bahamas, along with Castaway Key, Disney's own private island, which sounds pretty dang good right now. The Bridges begin in Port Canaveral, Florida. If you want to learn more, you can go to marvel.com or you could book at com.
0: Having done the A Disney Cruise a couple years ago, I'm excited to eventually take Catherine on one when we go again. When we went, I did the Marvel Day at Sea and that was great. And I think they've just upped the ante a bunch. So kudos to them. Also kudos to Marvel Stormbreaker Peach Pomoko because we've got a new series from her coming up Demon Wars the Iron Samurai number 1 it's a sequel to her previous Demon Wars saga which is Beautiful, cool, weird, gnarly stuff in Demon Wars The Iron Samurai. Mariko Yoshida will find herself caught up in a war between several wondrous creatures, including sentient samurai armor, a winged individual in a falcon mask, a mysterious panther person, and a red snake-like monster with a deadly appetite. And this time around, she may be forced to pick... Side. This one looks really fun. It's got like Civil war vibes, but still putting it into this world that Peach has come up with and this reality, like thinking about the multiverse of it all. This is just a universe separate from, you know, our Marvel 616 that is cool and, and different and letting kind of a visionary creator like Peach go to town on this is very exciting. Make sure you let your local comic shop know you want a copy of Demon Wars The Iron Samurai number one. It arrives August 3rd. We've got more comics news this week. A big one here is a new limited series called Wakanda.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this series. It's coming this October and it's got some acclaimed writers and artists working on the brand new limited series. It's spinning out of the recent events of John Ridley's epic run on Black Panther. But T'Challa is no longer welcome in the land he once ruled. So now we're going to have some other folks stepping up to protect Wakanda. In Wakanda number one, Stephanie Williams, wonderful writer, as well as artist Paco Medina, wonderful artist, are going to be starting things off with an in-depth tale about T'Challa's sister Shuri, who we all know and love, and my old co-host from Marvel's Declassified, Evan Narsis. Of course, we did lots of deep dives into Marvel's history, so he knows a lot about history and is going to be doing a backup story in each issue of Wakanda about the history of Black Panther, which is so perfect. And he's teamed up with artist Natasha Bustos. So 10 out of 10, definitely go check those out. Also, Evan, besides being my Marvel's Declassified compatriot, also wrote that wonderful series, Rise of the Black Panther, which is sort of like the definitive history of Black Panther. Mm. It's something that I've gone back to a lot of times. So if you're ever like, I just really want to know the full backstory of T'Challa, of the Black Panther, it's a great, great series to read as well.
0: Yeah, I'm super duper excited for this. I think there's so many stories that can be told with Wakanda and um, if you, dear listeners, are not reading the current Black Panther series by John Ridley, go read it check it out, a bunch of issues on Marvel Unlimited go pick up what's available in your local comic shop, it's man, T'Challa, you done messed up and (laughs) And all kinds of bad stuff is happening but it's really riveting
1: yeah also very exciting and terrifying the end of the spider-verse is coming in spider-man number one from all-star creators dan slott and mark bagley who have shockingly never worked together i don't know why know. that blew my I, mind
0: same i was like wait that can't be true and that, that's true
1: Powerhouse creative team. Love to see it. And this is taking place in the aftermath of Edge of Spider-Verse, the upcoming limited series that explores and introduces spider heroes from across the multiverse. We love Spider-Verse, of course, it being one of the iconic series from years back that introduced spider the one and only Ghost Spider, a.k.a. Spider-Gwen. But this new saga is going to kick off when a threat emerges that's going to change the fate of Peter Parker and all his spider friends' lives, you know, like Spider-Woman, Ghost Spider, Miles Morales, and those folks. And it's going to introduce some new heroes as well that are going to debut, of course, in Edge of Spider-Verse. And the series is also going to tie in directly with the events of Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr.'s Amazing Spider-Man run. And it's going to pick up plot elements like Spidey's new costume and his mysterious association with Norman Osborn. Plus, you know, if we said Spider-Verse, Moreland is back. Moreland. He can't stay away because he is hungry. And of course, he's never alone. He doesn't like to dine alone. That's not his vibe. Go check out the end of Spider-Verse story that's going on in Spider-Man number one. It's going to be an ongoing monthly title and it kicks off October 5th.
0: All right, it's potty. Pod pod podcast time! It's potty for...
1: pod podcast time. Flushy, hit it! Potty pod, 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 pod podcast time. Flushy,
0: hit H- it! it. All right, it's time to talk about Marvel's Wastelanders Wolverine because we are in episode five this week. It is called Trust Me. It is now available to subscribers to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited and the SiriusXM app. In this episode, Justin makes a devastating choice that compromises everyone's safety. So with their cover blown, Logan, Sophia, and Fang head north. Here's a preview of the episode.
1: Some kid playing dress-up in army fatigues.
0: I'm not some... enough small talk. It's quid pro quo time. You show me my dad, I'll show you Wolverine. It's a funny story, kid. I was just here 48 hours ago, looking for Wolverine over there.
2: These guys don't look like the owls from last night. They're organized.
0: What do they want with Justin?
2: I don't know. Maybe it's related to his dad's
1: business.
0: Now there's the man of the hour. It's good to hear your voice, buddy.
1: Should have known it'd be you coming for me, Crossbones. Guess Red
2: Skull's gotten too lazy to fight his own battles. Or Red Skull learned his lesson last time.
0: If you want someone dead, call a professional killer. Very cool. Reminder, again, episodes of Marvel's Wastelanders Wolverine are available exclusively on the SiriusXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. They will be widely available one week later on Pandora, Stitcher, and all major podcast platforms in the United States. You can also unlock exclusive bonus content by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Learn more at marvel.com slash wastelanders.
1: So Marvel's Pull List, mm. the podcast. Mm. Let's hear about it. Who, who you got on this week?
0: This is our official Marvel Comics podcast, Marvel's Pull List. And this week, our guest is artist Phil Nodo, just the sweetest, wonderfulest man. He's currently drawing the very rad Jessica Jones comic, The Variants. So he joined us for a reading club covering Daredevil, Love and War, which is an incredible 80s graphic novel by Frank Miller and Bill Sienkiewicz, which you can read on Marvel Unlimited and hear us talk about it. But But if you are a fan of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the way that Kingpin is depicted in that, like physically, like his size and shape, you can look at this graphic novel, Daredevil, Love and War, and see it, how the reference is right there. It's so cool, so weird. It's a heartbreaker of a story, but it is fantastic. So go read that. Uh, And then our comics picks for this week for the new comics on sale are Avengers Forever number seven, Strange Academy number 18, and Carnage number four. Carnage... Surprise the hell out of me. I'm not a big carnage boy, but I loved this issue. And Lorraine, if you have not read it yet, Avengers Forever number seven has a dog named Steve Rogers. It's really just named Steve, but it's a dog version of Steve Rogers. And Bless. he's such a good boy.
1: Ooh, love that. All right, everybody, put on your glamour glasses because we are talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe as only we can with the casting director behind so many of our favorite films, Sarah Finn. So, Sarah Finn has been just at it since the very, very beginning of the Marvel Studios films. She's worked on essentially every film in the MCU at this point and a lot of the series. And what she does is just really incredible because think of how many iconic characters, how defining so many of these actors are to the roles and the characters that we see in the canon in the future. Mm -hmm. Sarah's got a hard job.
0: She's so good at it. So exciting. So we're very, very thrilled to have Sarah here with us on the show. And then as we mentioned up top, this is the start of a regular series of interviews talking to some of the major players from behind the scenes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So get excited, get hyped. Let's talk to Sarah right now.
1: Sarah hello so nice to be here today thank you for having me we are so thrilled to have you I'm sure that everyone right now is hoping is wondering how do I get cast in a Marvel movie hold on to your hats we'll get there (laughs) Um, but first we like to start with what's your Marvel origin story what's the first way you sort of encountered the Marvel universe and all the characters in it
2: I will admit right up front that I was a bit of a nerd and comic book fan as a kid. I started reading and my comic book of choice as a kid was Fantastic Four and there is a way that circles back a complete circle into how i actually got involved with marvel but i was a fan of those i read all of the comic books i collected them and then i think as time went on i just became such a lover of the films of you know that marvel was putting out and all of these incredibly magical and exciting kinds of stories they were telling
0: Fantastic Four is not usually the one we hear, (laughs) which makes us so happy, though, because it's Fantastic Four is like it's it's the birth of the Marvel Universe and the core of of our stories. What was it about the FF that you connected with early on?
2: I think that I loved the different characters and I loved that there was
1: a strong female character that I could relate to. All right. Now you teased that you said this would later bring you into the Marvel fold. How, how did that happen? Well,
2: when I went in, you know, casting directors often interview or basically audition for a job, just like actors. And I had known Luis D'Esposito from another film that I had worked on called SWAT. And he called and asked if I was interested in coming in and interviewing for Iron Man. This was a long, long time ago. And when <laughs> I walked in, these were Marvel's first offices in Beverly Hills. When I walked into the conference room to meet everybody, there was a statue of Dr. Doom. And at the time, my have boys and they were very young and we had seen Fantastic Four about 40 times because this was before streaming and all those things and so we watched that movie a ton so i really geeked out over seeing dr doom and that was my entry point into that meeting and a kind of connection that we all had and being able to talk
0: about it and
2: then we went on to talk about iron man
1: all things come
0: back to doom yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of, of Iron Man, working on that film and the beginnings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how did Robert Downey Jr. come to be an Iron Man? What was that casting process like?
2: There have been a lot of stories about that, but I think that um, from my experience, he came around to be in it because we kept coming around to him. We kept coming around to the idea that he was the one person that really could personify everything we wanted in that character. And we did go through a casting process and we had a lengthy period where we were discussing all kinds of names. But in the end, we decided to have tests. We invited Mr. Downey to join our screen tests and the rest
1: is legend and history. Very well done. He's sort of become the anchor that we all know and love within the entire MCU. So much has come from that film. And we were joking earlier that there are more films that you have cast than not cast that (laughs) exist. You have really just cast everything. It's really crazy impressive. What have been some of your favorite MCU films that you've gotten to cast? Oh, that is such a hard question. <laughs> I was hoping you were not going to ask me that.
2: Um, uh, because each one is its own journey, right? Each mm. film is so distinct. Each director comes in with their own perspective and their own hopes and dreams and visions for it. And I think our job is to fall in love, is to fall in love mm. with that vision, to fall in love with the characters so that we can bring them to life in the best possible way. And so each time, it is kind of a whole new journey. And I think if we don't pour our hearts and souls into it, we don't do a good job. That's me and the whole team. So it is really, really hard (laughs) to say this or that. However, of course, there's ones that were particularly meaningful or particularly challenging. And that made them, in some ways, Guardians was a bit of an underdog. Uh, as a film, it, it was so different at the time from anything else we had worked on, and I thought they were really kidding me when they told me a tree and a raccoon were part of my main <laughs> cast. Um, <laughs> so, so I think fighting perceptions, and then similarly, you know, Black Panther was so profound for me as an experience to work on and be a part of Civil War and what the Russos did in that turn. So I think that there were definitely films that moved us in a different direction and and created their own sets of challenges. But I really can't say I love any one of my children more than another.
1: (laughs) But legally and also emotionally. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes. How did you first get into this whole side of, of the film industry and this business and stuff? Because I think about when I was a kid, there was a magazine called Wizard Magazine, and it was about comics and pop culture. And they had a section, a two-page spread in every issue called Casting Call, where they would talk about who they would fan cast for every superhero thing ever. And some of them were super outlandish. Some of them, they actually got right over time, but I, thinking about the job of casting films has been in my mind since I was probably 10 or so years old. How did you get involved over here?
2: That is a really fun question. I'll try to pull it down. I didn't expect to be doing this, I would say that. My background was in theater. I studied theater at Yale. I went on to do theater in New York City, and in doing off-Broadway theater and kind of everything that I could, right, as a young artist, I learned a lot about different perspectives. And I started assistant directing and looking at things from different angles. And it wasn't until much later that I was offered an opportunity to cast something. And it all kind of clicked for me. I had studied acting at school. I had been looking at directing a little. I had done some producing of theater. And once I got offered an opportunity to cast, I realized that this is a little bit of everything. This is understanding story. So all of the dramaturgy I learned and all of, you know, that highfalutin stuff, it actually comes into play because you really want to understand how do these characters move the plot forward? What is their function? How do they relate to one another? How do we build? How do we build this into a symphony, you know? And so all of the training that I had kind of made sense when I got into casting. And I really fell in love with the process. This idea that you can kind of build this house brick by brick, and then it takes on a whole life of its own, was so magical to me. The first time I saw a film that I had cast, and I knew the story of every single person that was on that screen, and how they got there, and why they were there. And here they were all together, functioning as this... Unique thing, right? It takes on a life of its own. If a casting director, I think, does their job well, it moves past us. You know, we're sort of this invisible art in a way that then becomes something else. And so to be part of that process and be part of that creative aspect of films and stories was really exciting for me. So I felt like I had found my home and I loved, like I said, I loved Star Wars. I loved these big themes and big stories, but I also was looking for the humanity, right? What's the relatability? How do we connect as an audience? And I think that's how I've approached all of these stories from Godzilla on is, yes, I think we're talking about big feelings and big things, but if we don't have a way (laughs) in, then we're not engaged. We're not part of it. We're not hooked in and connected.
1: I love that so much. It's like such a wonderful marriage of experience that I don't think people always understand they're like they see the external product of like people with fame but it is such an amazing skill set What does the casting process look like for anyone who's never been an actor or had to do the darn thing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Casting directors are a very unique breed. Uh,
2: And there is, like you said, there's a huge number of skills that come into play. Mm -hmm. The casting process, I want to give you an answer, but the first thing I will say is it doesn't look the same on any two projects. They are like snowflakes. There are similarities Right? We audition actors. We come up with material. We discuss it with our team. There are definitely similarities in the way that I think we all approach our jobs and I've approached all of the projects, but each one is really determined by the vision of the director and the nature of the project. So that is the starting point for everything. And sometimes casting will involve a huge search, a worldwide search. And that looks totally different from a process where you might already know, hey, these three movie stars would be great. Let's have (laughs) conversations and meet with them. It's very different if you have a small cast or if you have a cast of hundreds. It's very different if you're looking for authentic representation and you're going into a community that may not be widely represented in the Hollywood industry with actors and managers, and you have to put out flyers and go on social media. Often we work with casting directors in other regions. So that's another component. So the process itself can look very different, but in general, you're starting out on a journey where you're gonna break down a script and you're gonna look part by part. Usually you start with the leads and you try to get the lead settled and then you go to the supporting cast and then you go to the day players and you're reading actors and auditioning them for a lot of the roles in the film. What I would say is different about a lot of Marvel projects is, and it's pretty unique to Marvel, is that we have a very, very engaged team, along with our director, Kevin Feige, Luis Esposito, and Victoria Alonso, have been like family and with me since I started at Marvel. They're very involved. And Kevin, in particular, is very attuned to casting. There have been times where we're casting a role before a director's on board, even before a script is written. Wow. (laughs) And that is its own different process. So I think fans will be aware, Tom Holland, right? Spider-Man was going to appear in Civil War a year before we were going to shoot the movie. So we had to find and cast Spider-Man, hoping he wasn't going to grow two feet, (laughs) because the movie, (laughs) a year later, was just taking place a few months after the events of Civil War. We would have had a very tall (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. He grew a lot in those two months, yeah.
0: (laughs) Thinking about the Marvel and the MCU, we're very secretive. You know, Marvel is very secretive about what we're doing in the future and want to keep spoilers away from the fans, but at the same time, Marvel is very visible. Everybody knows the Marvel Universe and and, and is very excited about the future of the Marvel movies. Does that affect the process for you and the team?
2: I think that... It affects us just in terms of always, it's not like we already don't show up wanting to do our best every day (laughs) and hoping that we're going to get it right all the time. But I think if anything, it just, we want so badly to make it work, make it fun, make everyone enjoy it and be successful for the fans. So I think it just adds to that sense of pressure, responsibility and um, passion.
0: I think also on on the other side, I was also thinking of like for the actors, do they always know what role they're auditioning for? You know, there's tales of I had these lines, but I wasn't sure who it was,
2: yeah, I know I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry everyone everyone I've ever had to put in that position. I'm sorry, but it is true that that happens. There's a lot of times where people don't know what role and what project they're auditioning for and that is because of the secrecy and the secrecy isn't there to make it hard for anybody but it genuinely does protect the process it protects the actors it protects the directors because this is a very mysterious process and it's a learning process and it's a very collaborative and it's a very vulnerable process and we want people to feel comfortable and sometimes having that secrecy we don't want it all over social media, that someone's in the mix, that just puts too much pressure on them. Mm -hmm. And then the fans, like you were saying, there are fan castings, there are fan expectations. And sometimes that can be awesome and really fun to look at. And sometimes people may not know that we're actually heading in a really different direction here. So it's not relevant, but we can't really talk about that. (laughs) But hopefully you're going (laughs) to enjoy it. Uh, So there's also things that we can't share in the process. So what we're hoping to do is create for the actors kind of a blank slate where they can come in with their instincts and just do their best work without having all of those external thoughts and pressures on them. And then we figure it out together.
1: You know, it really is such an interesting and and varied process. And I'm wondering, you know, there's so many projects going on all of the time. I mean, we are in the Marvel Renaissance right now. I mean, I cannot believe there's a new, a huge new project coming out essentially every month for the next four months as we're talking right now. You're going to make me want to take a nap. And- <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly fear for your calendar and truly thank you for being here with us today. Um, what is it like for you as a casting director to take on casting not just like one main hero, but so many heroes, you know, in... Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange, in the Multiverse of Madness. We don't just get to see Doctor Strange. We get to see America Chavez. We have Ms. Marvel. We have She-Hulk coming. We have Moon Knight. You know, what is that like for you working on multiple projects and also getting to cast a lot of big-name heroes all at once? Yeah,
2: it's very exciting for me. This is an incredible time in the industry. It's an incredible time to be a casting director because... Really, there's no boundaries anymore. And the doors are flung so wide open. Marvel is so supportive of and encouraging more diversity. It's going to be exploding in the MCU, and it's incredibly exciting. It's exciting to know that that is coming, that people are gonna see themselves. People from all over the world in every walks of life are gonna see themselves as part of this superhero world. And I'm so grateful to have been able to be a part of this over the last couple of years. And I'm very excited for fans to see what's gonna
0: happen in all of these
1: shows. Me too. I'm excited to see. Yeah. I
0: was listening to an interview with Mei Kala Maui and uh-huh. the Marvel Studios Moon Knight team. And she was expressing those sentiments specifically about herself and like being able to be a hero on screen and, and in this role. She just sounded so like joyful.
2: Ah, oh, I love it. I love it, and how good is she? Oh my gosh, <laughs> so good!
0: She's so great.
2: Yeah, it like like I, I feel the same. I think there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of joy and celebration about having these new voices emerging.
0: For a show like Marvel Studios' Moon Knight, how did you land on the main roles? I mean, we have Oscar Isaac, we have Ethan Hawke. They're just they're incredible together.
2: Yeah, well, you know, as I was describing before, that was a different process, right? We knew how meaty and challenging a role Moon Knight was gonna be. And I think Oscar's an immense talent and someone that we had kind of thought about before. And so one of the nice things about having this ongoing relationship with Marvel and being able to look into the future is we had been talking about what would be a great role for Oscar? What would be something that really lets him spread his wings and showcase his talents. And so when Moon Knight came up, we thought this really could be the right fit. And so I would say it was a long process of conversations with Oscar to see if he wanted to do it, to acquaint him with the world and meet the directors and talk to Kevin and Muhammad and and really immerse himself in the character. And we were thrilled that he wanted to take this on and then started thinking about pairing him and energies and someone like Ethan Hawk is also a phenomenal actor that we've tried to find the right role for. So those, those came into being in a very different way. And then May, again, was a process in reading and, and fighting for it. And so thrilled with her in that part.
1: Um the series really is so phenomenal. And I hate to make you choose your darlings, (laughs) but I'm going to put you on the line a little bit. Obviously, you know, you've cast, I think, thousands of roles, I'm sure, at this point in the MCU alone. But I do know, you know, from working on fiction projects here, that there is a certain thrill of the chase when there's someone that maybe you find in particular, or you have a really great experience with finding them, getting them booked, whatever it is. Do you have any folks in the entire time that you've been with the MCU that you are just like really proud of finding that right person? Lots. Yeah, I have lots. I have lots, but I think while we're looking at this current
2: phase, I'll say that it was really exciting when we did find some real newcomers that, mm-hmm. like May, who just seized the part and grabbed the opportunity. And so I think if we look just in the last few years at Simu Liu in Shang-Chi. Incredible. And the rest of that cast, which is so stellar, Monger and, you know, obviously Michelle and Tony and everyone, but, but seeing Simu having not done a film before, <laughs> a feature film, right? <laughs> Step into those shoes following, let's remember, Avengers Endgame and everything else and, and taking on that role in the way that he did under Destin's leadership and bringing that to life was really amazing. And now Iman Vellani as Ms. Marvel and I would say Alakwa Cox too, who everyone met in Hawkeye. Like these are some actors and Simu people knew from Kim's Convenience, obviously, and other things, but these are real newcomers who are taking on leading roles. And that's so exciting. And I think that the other thing that's so fun about my job that people probably don't realize is it feels like this very big world, right? The MCU and all that. But one of the best parts of the job is getting to call the actors. <laughs> and literally after we decided on casting Simu, Destin and our producer, Jonathan and I walked into Kevin's office and we picked up the phone and called him.
1: What was his reaction?
2: Uh, he was pretty floored. <laughs> and similarly, I think maybe Aman was in school or she was with friends or something. <laughs> uh, this was during the pandemic. So we were all on zoom and, uh, we just caught her in the middle of her day and let her know she's going to be Miss Marvel. Pretty good day. Yeah, pretty good day.
0: For everyone really. Like yeah. <laughs> to bring someone good news is a gift in and of itself. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty great. I keep thinking about you were talking about when you started to work on Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy and you said, all right, we have to cast a tree and a raccoon (laughs) and thinking about your career and so many roles now can be CGI characters, but there is a core actor at the heart of that. Does that change anything of your process, your thinking of the work that goes into casting someone when there's a different set of circumstances of, of the filming?
2: It does change it somewhat, but essentially, you're still looking for the heart of that character. Mm. And actually, raccoon is a very important... (laughs) Obviously, Uh, Groot. And uh, yeah, that was, you know, that ended up becoming really essential to the storytelling. So I think that, yeah, there's going to be other requirements for the actors, even if they're doing a voiceover role, but we're hoping that they can bring that spark to life just as impactfully.
1: Okay, I have to ask the question, because now it's in my head, right, we've been talking about newcomers, and so many people reach out to literally everyone that works at Marvel in the world, I'm fairly convinced, and says, I would make a great superhero in a movie for you. For folks that would love to someday be a Marvel superhero or be in a Marvel film, what is the best way to do that? What do you look for in a superhero, and what kind of experience should they have? <laughs> that is a great question. There's
2: no one way because we, as we've been discussing, have cast actors who have many awards. We have so many Oscar nominees and very high level actors, and we have newcomers, right, who have not done a professional job before. So we're looking everywhere at all levels, but I do think that training is important. I think that discipline is important. I think that talent is at the root of everything. Charisma is at the root of everything. Passion is at the root of everything. And so I think that... The actors that we've cast have all prepared in their own ways, you know, to meet the moment. But in building the MCU, we're looking for that kind of range, that kind of flexibility, and that kind of desire. I think that wanting to play these roles is as important as anything. They don't come to life unless the actor breathing that life into the character is fully committed and fully passionate and excited about that that's the way that it works. So I think that working hard at the things that you love and feel drawn to are all going into the mix. And hopefully we will find you for the right part at the right time.
0: Good luck to any of our listeners who are hoping to get into the MCU. Look, now, you know, Sarah, thank you so much. You're a friggin' delight. We appreciate you. (laughs) Thank
2: you so much for having me. It was so fun talking to you.
1: go watch a whole bunch of films that Serafin has worked on over on Disney Plus of course you can see so many of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films there right
0: now So as we go into thinking about our question of the week for next week, we're going to have on as guests the four actors who played the LARPers in Marvel Studios Hawkeye original series. And so that's a really fun conversation you can hear next week. And so thinking about our question of the week, because these wonderful folks played LARPers, live action role players in Marvel Studios Hawkeye, our question of the week is... If you are a live-action role player, what Marvel character would you like to join you for some LARPing? Obviously, they had Hawkeye, Clint Barton with them.
1: Also some Kate Bishop.
0: Also some Kate Bishop. Yep, yep, yep. You got to have somebody who's in on the fun, right?
1: See, I feel opposite. Like, I want to do this with Captain America so he's, like, embarrassed. Oh, Because he's an old man, right? He's like... Oh, I don't, uh, l- all right, We're just uh, playing swords pretend? and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, son. But then you're like, well, yeah, get a, get a Gwynpool in there and just like m- get wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to get hurt if Gwynpool's in there. Oh, yeah, but, you Gwynpool's
1: know. like, I will actually stab you. There's no play fighting about it.
0: Yeah. I think I'd want someone who does magic. To be honest, a Doctor Strange or maybe actual magic, Ilyana Rasputin, <gasps> because she could do some magic. Spells and stuff, not to really affect things, but like that gives you some special effects and some like visual flair. You
1: need like a Mysterio. You need Ooh. magic that's not real magic.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You Mysterio. need sleight of hand. <laughs> yes. Or like, you know, a uh, Jubilee or a Dazzler, Aww. like some light effects and some fun stuff like that. You got lots of possibilities. Let us know which Marvel character you'd like to live action role play with, you can tweet your answers using hashtag this week in Marvel, email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. Please always make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show.
1: There you have it. Send us your tweets and whatnot. But uh, the question of the week last week was, who is your favorite casting choice for an MCU character? We got a ton of answers, so let's get on into them. Seth Boyum at Boyum Seth said, Haley Steinfeld is Kate Bishop. She captured the different facets of Kate and played well with the other actors. It wasn't just watching an adaption of the character, but the character coming to life off the page. Love it.
0: Bethany, Moon Knight era forever, at BGTrader24 tweeted, Robert Downey Jr. was born and made to play Iron Man. I can see no one else playing Tony Stark but him. No casting could have been better. I mean. I mean, it's hard to argue.
1: Paula at Paula Asks says, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff. She really is the Black Widow. I'll always look up to Scarlett. Watching her as the first female Avenger meant a lot to my 13-year-old self.
0: Christian Johansson at Fat CJ says Chadwick Boseman. Absolutely without question with special shout out to Iman Vellani for already being quite the star of her show.
1: Absolutely. The Uber nerd at Pelinor 2017 said, I'm going to go with the lesser known character slash actor because I think they should get some love ray stevenson as volstag as a fan of the character in the comics he brought the right sense of lovability and nobility to the voluminous one (laughs) underrated character in my opinion um that's such a great one Mm -hmm. i love volstag too because he's a take on falstaff of shakespearean legend and all of that and he's a great falstaff if you know you know theater nerds
0: yeah ian at the guardian says so many great casting choices have been made in the mcu But when you need a tall, blonde, absolute specimen with a sense of humor to play a god, there is no one else but Chris Hemsworth, in my opinion, respectfully. Ian, you do not have to be respectful about your opinion in this case because it's pretty spot on.
1: Yeah. Val and Valerie and V said, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda slash Scarlet Witch. I cannot imagine any other actress portraying her like Lizzie can. The genuine love she has for the character coupled with her acting range does not get any better than that. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, icon status.
0: L James at L James tweets, there have been many stellar castings in the MCU, but lately Wyatt Russell as John Mm -hmm. Walker. He just embodies the unhinged aspect of Walker so well while also retaining his own personal struggles. I can't wait to see his story evolve mm-hmm cool
1: kind of love to hate him we have vicky smith at eclectic mayhem 2 who says hats off to Serafin and her team who have not put a wrong foot forward with casting for the mcu my favorite has to be chris evans cap could have been deadly but evans gave him sweetness and humility to go with his stoicism he had me at skinny steve oh mm.
0: Maggie Lovett at Maggie of the Town tweeted, I can't imagine any other actor playing Baron Zemo. Daniel Bruhl is brilliant and brings a lot of nuance to the role, making the most of every second of screen time he gets. Also, can't forget the dancing.
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, that yes. dance party so will live forever in my mind. Forever. All right. The almighty t at Athmus. One of my favorites is Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Her acting is wonderful in every Marvel movie she's in, and I think she exhibits a true warrior just as Gamora is in the comics. I love her because she does such a good job of being great foil to Chris Pratt's more silly Star-Lord, but she's Mm -hmm. so funny in her own right. Plus, she's such a badass. She's just wonderful.
0: Truly. Alex Jordan at AlexJordan142 tweets, Robert Redford goes underappreciated as Alexander Pierce. He is usually cast in good guy roles, so seeing him be a twist villain made the otherwise predictable twist be a little less that way. Of course, he's also just a great actor.
1: Mm-hmm. Mark at Marcelo Monch said, Tom Holland is Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. He brings so much of the young Peter Parker having fun for being a superhero, but also consciousness about the responsibility of taking care of others. He protects the people in every circumstance. That's my Spidey.
0: Tonya Bastan at Tonya Palijica says, "'Without any doubt, Dr. Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch is the perfect choice for the role. It shows that he enjoys and understands and loves the character, and physically, vocally, and emotionally, he is an actor of another level. The different body attitudes, voices, personalities, emotions, and details that Benedict gives to each Doctor Strange is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. PSI Force at PSI underscore four C E said Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight really gave Moon Knight one of the best first impressions of all the new characters in phase four by Longshot, and looking forward to the character's future. We really need more of him. I mean, Oscar Isaac is Oscar Isaac. Very good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thomas at Thomas Comic Talk tweets. David K as Arishem. The power mm. he brought to Arishem simply through his voice is just awesome. I love that choice. Arishem, of course, from Marvel Studios Eternals.
1: 10 Comics at 10 underscore Comics said, I've changed my answer many times, Downey, Evans, Hemsworth, Bozeman, but now I'll go for Paul Bettany as Vision after hiring him to voice Jarvis. It was just such a great move, and he portrays Vision's mix of logic and heart so well. I mean, to me, that is one of the coolest threads that people forget about is that Paul Bettany was the voice of Jarvis for many years before they Mm -hmm. were like, hey, what if we turned you into Vision? So cool.
0: Yeah. Smash Trivia at Smash Trivia. John tweets, Tatiana Maslany was absolutely the perfect choice for She-Hulk. I love her personality and the fact that she always uses her platform to spread awareness for problems in the world and to support charities. She's basically She-Hulk in real life. Y'all, it's so good.
1: Next up, we got a tweet from our pal Dan Slott, who we were just talking about, writer of Spider-Man number one, coming up very soon. Dan replied and said, I thought picking Chris Evans as Cap after he'd been Johnny Storm was a wrong choice. From the moment he showed up as skinny Steve Rogers before he even got the super soldier serum, I couldn't imagine anyone else as the character. He... Is Captain America love this answer? And also, you know, it's so funny how you'll hear a piece of casting and you'll be like, What? or you know, whatever your reaction is, but then you see it and you're like, Oh, right, yeah, these people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, we've got a Facebook message here from Raphael, who says, I believe all of the casting choices for the MCU have been amazing. Being a fan of the comics and seeing each actor slash actress not only bring my favorite characters to life, but add their own take to them has been amazing. It's hard to say my favorite, though, but I would pick Ben Affleck as Daredevil and Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Not to say others weren't great, but that movie has always had a special place in my heart. Raphael, we're talking about the MCU. But those are your picks. Love them.
1: Next up, we got an email from Gary Lee Flat, which says, Hello, Twim Team. I think one of the best castings has been Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. The way he presents the character and all their strengths and flaws is fantastic. Also, I have finally been able to finish my first Marvel Legends Build-A-Fig with Korg, and it is amazing. Thank you, Twim Team, for all the amazing things you do, Gary Lee Flat. Again, Benedict Cumberbatch, just crushing it. I especially love him in the second film. I just think... We get to see so much more of Doctor Strange and various Doctor Stranges, which is awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, We get an email from Henrik Hansen, who says, Hi, guys. For me, the ultimate casting choice, the cherry on the proverbial Sunday, is Josh Brolin as Thanos. He embodied the megalomaniac Titan without cackling. He was grounded. His performance had deep, reflective moments. He had a point, for crying out loud. He faced Earth's mightiest heroes and won for a while. And we believed it because we believed him. Well said, Henrik. Mm-hmm. So in my office here in my home, above my desk, I have a poster we released at Comic-Con a couple years ago, where it's Thanos sitting on his farm, just looking out with oh, his, yeah. his scarecrow in the background, and it just says, success.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I look at that all day and just think, mm-hmm.
1: All right, next up, we got an email from Jake Bolton who said, I was definitely going to say Chris Evans as well for Captain America, but I thought he was such a good human torch as well. But since that was said, I'd have to choose Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Might be the most perfect casting there is, ignoring the fact that the movie is technically not MCU, but still. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Last tweet in here, which does not relate to any of the other stuff, comes from the tech lord at Lex Pendragon, who says, listening to This Week in Marvel, I heard the Hocus Pocus 2 trailer dropped. I paused, went to watch the trailer. Thanks for the heads up, Lorraine. I love me some bad witches. I like that yeah, we are yeah, the place yeah, for yeah. Marvel news, plus also Hocus Pocus updates.
1: <laughs> and all things Halloween, Ryan. It's yeah. not It's not my fault that Halloween is the best holiday. Yeah. If anybody wants to talk to me about any Halloween-related anything leading up to October 31st, just reach out to me. Let me let me know what's up.
0: <laughs> yes, please do. All right, that wraps it up for us. This episode of This Week of Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Pinagos.
1: Our Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development is Brad Barton. Hi, Brad.
0: And Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio.
1: And special thanks to Lockjaw's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Lockjaw can eat more hot dogs than anybody. Can you beat Lockjaw in a hot dog eating contest? This hot dog wants to take you on. Come on down to Coney Island. Goodbye. (laughs) I'm I'm Lorraine.
0: This is Marvel.
1: Your universe. Potty Pod Podcast time.